introduce our speaker, or Deb. <laughs> Good morning. I have the privilege of introducing our guest speakers this morning, Dennis and Valerie Easton. Dennis grew up around Bancroft, Ontario, and his wife Valerie grew up around Lincoln, Nebraska. They worked at Kawartha Lakes Bible College for about, I think, eight years in administration, and uh, that's where they met. And then they felt the Lord calling them to overseas ministry. And in 2007, they entered the training at Ethnos Canada with three children. And then in 2010, they went to the Philippines, and there they had two more kids. So they have five children, four girls and one boy. I could tell you their names because I met them on Thursday for the first time. A lovely family, so I hope you get to know them a little bit. But they've been working in the Philippines, and they, you might remember Shannon and Chuck Talbot. So they were their co-workers. They moved into the same tribe of, let's see, let me see if I say this right, Gadang, Gadang, Gadang. <laughs> okay, there's a glottal in there. <laughs> All right, so Gadang. And uh, that's where they're currently working. They're on home assignment right now. And we thought it would be really great as a missions committee to hear the update on the get done work. So, Dennis, come and share. We're looking forward to what's happening there in the Philippines. Thank you, Deb. I have a red light on here. Is that is it supposed to be a different color? What color should I be? Green? Battery in here? I'll just give you the other mic. Okay. Well, uh, good morning. It's great to be with you. And uh, yeah, it's um, our privilege to come and give a little bit of that walking. Yeah, I'm kind of vertically challenged. So. <coughs> Yeah, it's great for us to be with you and to give a little update um, with what is going in the Gatdung ministry. And we're, uh, as our family, we will vicariously thank you for your support of the Talbots over many years that uh, they were in our work. And uh, they came home in 2019, early 2019 or 2018, I think. And uh, we are carrying on what they uh, started there, and so it was our privilege to come alongside them in about 2014. Um, am I on now? No? I still got a red light, but uh, should I pick up this? Okay. Okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, we, we joined them in 2014. And, um, yeah, some, sometimes it's hard to remember how to pronounce that word. And what I always tell people is if you remember the Got Milk commercials of a few years ago, well, this is a farming community where we are, and we got dung. And it's, hopefully that's really easy to remember at that point. Okay, we got lots of that. So um, that's hopefully to help you remember. So, yeah, we are here with, um, I'm here with my family, or some of them. Uh, this is a picture of our family. Three of the kids are back there, and uh, our eldest is has just started Bible school. <laughs> They're circling. Um, uh, yeah, our eldest has just started um, Bible school with the Ethnos School in Waukesha, Wisconsin. We dropped her off in August, and so that's been an adjustment to start getting used to, uh, well, we keep counting the kids because it seems like somebody's always missing, and uh, sure enough, she is. So that's a big adjustment for us as we go back. Um, this time, it's going to be um, a little bit different to uh, uh, leave her behind. And then uh, our one of our other daughters, Quinn, got 
sick this weekend, and we've left her in, behind in Durham, so uh, didn't want to spread that around. And so um, we're a little bit short, uh, uh, short today, but it's uh, good to be with you nonetheless. Um, yeah, our, we had a scripture reading this morning, and I'll ask you to turn there again to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to spend most of the time. I'm good, okay. I'm starting to run to where all my hands are going to be. So, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians 4. I'm going to spend most of our time this morning talking about what's going on over in the Philippines. But um, just we're going to start here in 2 Corinthians 4. And I think that um, the challenge for all of us is uh, we are left here. Christ left that commission with all of us, right? When he left, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The gospel is that thing that he left us with. And Paul talks about it in uh, 2 Timothy, talking about handing the baton off to other faithful people. And it's interesting, if you go back through church history, it's every generation that comes along, each of them have been given the task to take the gospel and hand it to the next generation and spread it. And over the centuries and over the centuries, it always keeps being handed off. And here we are today in 2022, and the baton is in our hand. We have been given the gospel, and it's our privilege and our responsibility to disseminate that to the person, uh, the people in our lives, our families, our, the people across the street, the people in our neighborhoods, people around the world. And some of us are called across the world, some of us are called across the street, but all of us are given that task. And 2 Corinthians 4, Paul is talking about that. He, he has several illustrations that he, he uses to talk about this gospel. But the one I want to point out is in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay. We have this treasure. And he calls the gospel this treasure. And what I think the imp- uh, we need to be impacted by the fact of what the gospel is. It's a treasure. And how I like to tell people or to help us imagine that is... And, and it's been our privilege to be able to take this message to uh, people who had never heard that before. But what the, the key element in the missing in the Philippines in general, and in our little village where we are, is this element of grace. We sing amazing grace. Why do we sing amazing grace? The fact is, it is amazing, right? And how I like to, you know, help us to get the impact of that is to stop for one second, as horrific as this thought is, and imagine that there is no grace. Christ never came. Christ never died. You are lost in your sin with no hope. You just, have one, just hold on to that thought and then erase it, right? Because we don't want to live there at all because it's a horrific thought. But when you stop and you think about that, then you say, wow, that is amazing, right? That God looked on me, a sinner, an enemy of his, and sent his son into the world to die for me, to take my punishment and put it on Christ. And what do we, what do, we do to earn that? Nothing. We put our faith in that. And that's, everything is based on what he did, and that is grace. If you're here this morning and you're still checking this Christianity thing out. Um, Don't look around and say, I want to be perfect like all these people around here. I I don't know a lot of you very well, but I'm, unfortunately, I know enough to say that you're not perfect. And don't look at me. I'm not perfect either. But one thing that we have, and this is the treasure that we hold on to, is the fact that we have been saved by this amazing thing called grace. That God in his mercy looked on us and sent his son to die for us. And so, 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says, we have this treasure. We have this treasure. The gospel is a treasure. And he's given us the ministry to share that. And then he says, it's been put in a jar of clay. 
<laughs> a jar of clay. Now, um, there's a juxtaposition here, right? We don't take normally treasures and we put them in a cardboard box or a jar of clay. Now, at home, probably on your porch, you have a few of these things sitting around there, right? You know that, what is that color anyway, right? That, that there's a brown, uh, I don't know what it is. It's made out of dirt, right? And they make these pots and they put there. You don't put, normally we wouldn't put our treasure in something like that. We would put a, uh, a flower. We don't have one right here, but we would put a beautiful flower in there. And then someone comes and they will come and look and say, Oh, wow, beautiful pots you have here on, the, on your porch, right? Nobody says that. It's just the thing that holds something of beauty, right? And Christ says we have been put, we have a treasure in us. And there's nothing special about the, the jar necessarily. In fact, you walk by that thing and, you, and you're stumbling in the dark to get your key in the door and you trip over this jar of clay and it falls over and it cracks, right? It's, it's, it's not, there's nothing particularly strong about a jar of clay. Um, but there's something inside there that is valuable, he says. And so we have this treasure. And there's nothing special about us, as we were saying, right? We're, we're not perfect. We're, there's, we're not selling ourselves. We are selling this gospel that is of ultimate value and we, why does he do that? Well, it goes on. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. God loves to use people no matter who we are. And, and, and maybe even more broken, the better that glorious light shines out. That's one of the illustrations he used in 2 Corinthians as well, is the, the gospel is a light. And the, the more, you know, broken that we are, sometimes that's more of how, uh, accentuates the treasure that we actually have. So come here this morning, and we're going to talk about all sorts of things that happen. And, uh, and there's nothing special about us. It's nothing special necessarily about you or I, but we have this treasure. And so you, um, you have a treasure, right? You, wherever you, God has placed you, you have this message, and it's worth sharing. It's of ultimate value to those around it, Think about how it's changed your life, and think about how it can have an impact, and perhaps that'll give you boldness. Some people don't necessarily want to hear it, right? Uh, we're going to hear about that this morning. Um, in chapter 2, in verse 14, says, thanks be to God who always leads us ca- as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. I said there's a several illustrations that Paul uses. And here he uses this idea of an aroma. Um, we, we smell. Um, wherever we go, we are emitting something. Um, we, are, we are an aroma. And we are telling a message with our lives. And it can be without even intent, intending. Everywhere we go, we share this light. We share this uh, aroma around to those that, that are in our life. What kind of aroma are you giving off? I'm not, I don't mean your physical <laughs> aroma. Uh, we don't really want to know about that. But uh, what aroma are people seeing in your life? We live out the gospel as well. And it's not really up to us as to what God does with that. Um, Verse 15, we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Verse 16, to the one we are an aroma that brings death, to another an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? There's that broken clay pot again. It's beyond us, right? But as we live out some people are going to be drawn to that. And to others, we are actually um, a reminder of everything that they hate. And God is the one who exposes those things by us as we live out that life. But we have to be evaluating. What, how, what life am I living as I interact with people? What do people see? Do they see Christ in you? Or do they, are they um, 
seeing a bad example uh, and maybe whatever that looks like in your situation. The gospel is worth, is a treasure, and it's worth sharing. It's, and um, so we're going to spend the rest of this time looking a little bit about where, what the Lord has given us opportunity to do. And um, as I say, it's a testimony to his, his work, nothing special about us. And we want to give him all the glory in everything that is said and done here. So our family, and some of this will be a review since you, uh, most of you remember the Talbots, I suppose. And, uh, and some of these pictures will look familiar, or the landscape might look familiar, but I know some of you probably don't remember, so I'm just going to give a quick geography lesson for you. Uh, the Philippines is located off the coast of China, 7,000 islands, uh, so then that way it's a very unique country. Uh, we, we left in 2010, and uh, we were in Manila, the capital city of 14 million people for two and a half years learning the national language. I grew up in Bancroft. We have 4,000 people there, and uh, a <laughs> bit of a culture shock just in that area alone, not, never mind the language differences and culture differences. But uh, then after that, we moved up to the northern part of the Philippines, and this map will kind of zoom in on the northern part. And uh, um, Ethnos has a flight base in Tagigarao, the city of Tagigarao. And from there, to fly into our village, we... I don't know how to make my arrow show up on this particular app, but um, we, if you can see Tagigarao there, um, we are kind of based in this area in the middle where there's no cities. <clears throat> okay, I th- probably the only thing I need, but uh, right. Okay, so um, yeah, I guess I can point there. So we fly from Tagigarao in the helicopter. It's a 20-minute flight to an area in this area here. Now, we can get in there by land sometimes. There's dry times of the year. And uh, unf- the challenge, though, for a 20, compared to a 20-minute helicopter flight, uh, we c- it's pay- it takes about six hours to get in by land. Uh, the last 12 kilometers looks like this. And so this is decent uh, weather. Sometimes it's thick mud, and so we really appreciate the aviation ministry of Ethnos. Um, It really saves a lot of energy and time. We are located in uh, the central village of three other villages. The Gatdung people are quite small in comparison to many other people groups, only 6,000 people. And even by Philippine standards, that's a small group, but it was identified as a least reached uh, area back in surveys in the 90s, and so um, new tribes, or we call it new tribes in the Philippines still, so I may use both words, but ethnos, we, uh, I wanted to take the gospel to this location. On the table in the back, you, um, I'll do a little advertising right now, if you you can check out, we have a copy of the New Testament in Gatdang. And you can look at that. It was translated by SIL, or Wycliffe, um, back in 2000. It was finished. And they were located in the southernmost part of our our tribal area. And so we are located in the north part. And no missionaries had ever gone into the the northern part. And so that's been our focus, to plant a church in this area that would be able to reach this whole northern area. So we are located in the central village of Paradi. And there's two other villages about a 45-minute hike either direction to up the, up the river where we are. Each of these villages is about 200 people. And our goal is to plant a church in these areas so that they can reach others. If you were to come and visit us, um, you'd come in by helicopter uh, and land at the top of the hill. And, look, and you would look down to the village. You would see not much because the, the houses are all built along the river covered by the the trees there and you would be greeted by uh, a bunch of children as soon as they hear the helicopter coming all the kids come running because they know there's going to be stuff to be carried and we pay them a little bit to help out with that and they come pushing and shoving and we head down the hill towards the village 
into the riverbed. It's not really much of a river at all. It's a, more of a creek. And some people say, well, we'd like to come and visit. And I say, well, don't stay too long. There's not, <laughs> not that much to see. Here's our Niagara Falls on the right. It's, uh, <laughs> there's not too much to see. It's really, uh, in, in, in some ways, it's really the backwaters. And God cares about everyone, even those living in, you know, a, a far-off place in, a, in the middle of nowhere, really. And yet God cares and has sent the gospel there. Our house we built in 2014, and it's been a great blessing to us. And we're going to talk about that because um, here is our porch. And this is a strange picture because there's nobody on it. And here in uh, North America, you know, the stopping in on people and dropping in on people is kind of a thing of the past. You usually call ahead, make sure they're there or whatever, but um, not so in, in the Gotnan culture. Uh, this is a strange picture because no one's there and people just drop in. It, it would be a strange day if 10 people didn't show up at our house at some point for something. And it could be um, Malen here with one of her eight children uh, looking for medicine. Uh, it could be your husband here, Tok Tok, looking for um, some work. Uh, there's a lot of needs and a lot of, he's got eight kids and mouths to feed and people are to look at us and say, what benefits can we get from you? Um, people, we, one of the things that they asked for when we went into the, into the tribe was uh, medical assistance. There's a small clinic there, but rarely is there anyone there to run it. Um, to get to a hospital is usually a hike, out three-hour hike out to town. And so we've tried to offer whatever assistance we can to make their life you know, a little easier. And it's a farming community. A lot of the work is done in their bare feet. So you can just imagine all the foot wounds. And we have this guy here soaking his foot, um, coming regularly to do that. Uh, different tropical skin diseases that we've learned a few things about. And uh, in the tropics, any little sore can quickly get infected. So um, we try to offer that sort of assistance. It helps us build relationships with people as well. Here, Andunga is coming for an ID picture. The government puts all sorts of um, requirements on them, and, okay, we need a two-by-two two, uh, ID picture for this form. Like, well, where are they supposed to get that? Um, so people said, oh, you have a camera, and now we do this quite regularly for people. And um, we, it, there's all sorts of things. You never know what someone might come. Uh, my favorite was a guy showed up on my porch and said, can I borrow a necktie? I have a wedding to go to. <laughs> and the, I had left all mine in Canada, but uh, it was it's funny. You never know. But mostly who's at our door are kids. And the, we have free-range chickens there. And we have free-range children. And uh, they're, they're just busy and unentertained uh, little people. And so... They're always at our door, and we know we, our goal is to plant a church, right? And that's something that's going to uh, extend beyond us. And we know that the generation coming is the one that's gonna, really going to grab hold on that. So we want to build relationships with them. So we do whatever we can to uh, get them around us. And so we have skipping ropes and coloring books and Uno cards and anything, badminton, anything to get them there and to build relationships with them. And it can be challenging. We're homeschooling at the same time, and they, you know, it seems like they have uh, innumerable holidays from school. I, I'm not sure how that works, but they're always around. And it's, so it can be quite busy at times and noisy, but uh, we know that it's for a good reason, and so we want to build relationships with them. We hung the swing under our house, and the neighbors asked us to remove it because it was too noisy. Um, it's busy until it's not. And this little guy fell asleep on our stairs. The, um, back to work. Uh, we also have people who come and work for us every day. And this is a strange thing for Westerners to get their mind around it, um, why we would have people coming and working in our home. And, uh, and this is, seems like a luxury in many ways, and it is. Um, so Valerie's homeschooling our kids, but she's also the one who's doing all the first aid on our porch. And so um, we, people, as soon as we got there, it was people lined up to 
to get a job? Like, is there anything that we can help? So for us, it's a win-win thing to have these ladies come and work in the home. They clean and do some cooking. And the neat thing about that is that um, we get to know these ladies really well. And they're probably the ones that we know the best. The challenge of it is that there's somebody in our home all the time watching every, I mean, they're watching every little thing that we're doing. And even when <clears throat> the kids, uh, you know, are naughty, um, you know, they see everything and how we handle that and, and our personal, you know, what we own, all those things. So there's a the payoff, right? But um, the neat thing is they've gotten to know us. And then as that happens, they start opening up. And these two ladies, I mean, they have really challenging marriages, and they start sharing that with Valerie. And uh, I remember Valerie just saying at one point, it's like, we're, we're just putting band, like, anything that I say is like a Band-Aid on, on the situation. They need Jesus. And that was the whole point, right, for us to build these relationships is to present the gospel and, and who Jesus is, and that that's the real answer to their, their physical emotional, spiritual needs. Um, T. Wong is the, uh, my language helper, and he comes to work for me uh, each day, and he's just been a great blessing. So we wanted to learn the language and to be able to communicate the gospel clearly so that they could understand. And so I hired T. Wong right from the beginning. He helped with our house, and, and uh, he's just been a godsend. He's very patient. Um, I don't know if you've ever had to learn another language. I think everyone should have to do it. Uh, most humbling thing you can do. All of a sudden, you have no intelligence. Uh, you can barely put words together. You sound like a baby. Nobody knows what your personality is like. Um, all those sorts of things. Just strips you of everything that you thought you were. <laughs> and uh, you need somebody who's going to be really patient and listen to you stumble over. That's a frying pan. That's a frying pan. You say it over and over again. And, um, you say bad words, and they tell you, don't say that again. And um, <laughs> I just was pronouncing it, you know. Um, and so Tiwang's been that for me, and you need somebody like that. So I've appreciated him. And then as we got further on in, into the Bible lessons, he was able to help me work through a lot of stuff too. So it's great. So um, this area where we are is a farming community. As I said, they, they do two crops of corn every year. That's a feed corn, and that's their cash crop, and then they do one crop of rice, and that's their, they, they eat rice three times a day, um, and lots of it, and they've got families with lots of little mouths, so there's a lot of rice consumed, and uh, here's a picture of it during, um, it gets super green there, you can't see that too well, but it's uh, vibrant. They're a social society. Um, that's probably an oxymoron no, or uh, obvious. They are a society that works together, whatever the word is for that. And uh, they are communal. That's a, they, so they'll work in one person's field one day, and then everybody will go to the next field. And that's how they, they do all their farming. It's all done. They just imagine 100 years ago how things would have been done. Lots done by hand, no tractors around, and it's a very hilly area. So it's um, just, yeah, lots of hard work. They do have tractors. Sorry, I forget. The, the, they have these, not John Deere's or John Water Buffaloes. And uh, they use those for hauling things and plowing and that sort of thing. But in general, the Philippines is an advancing um, country. And it's, it's the same in our village. When we first got there, um, there's only a handful of motorbikes, or only a couple. And now almost every family has one. The houses were. Uh, you know, some of the grass roofs and bamboo walls, almost all of those are gone now with concrete walls and steel roofs. Here's a picture of a kind of a typical house. That, um, actually, more, that's the one in the back is more really what people are trying to build with concrete uh, and, and wood structures with steel roofs. So, I mean, they're advancing. There's a lot of, uh, they're getting, um, money is coming in. In 2014, they got... Uh, electricity, and um, that was a great blessing for us, but it was also a blessing and a challenge in other ways. Um, the next thing that came after that was satellite TV, and so, you know, all the influences of that, um, but benefits as well with um, refrigerators, washing machines, and they're just uh, 
yeah, advancing rapidly. Filipinos, um, the gatdang are typical, like most Filipinos. Do you have any Filipinos here? I don't think. Oh, yeah, okay, hi. Um, you're an example. Philippines are known for their smiles, right? And uh, we just really um, open people, uh, hospitable, and the gatdang are, are the same. Uh, very welcoming. If you were to come and visit, you'd walk down the path. Everyone would say, Makafaitam, let's have uh, coffee. And they may or may not be serious about that, but uh, you, you stop and have coffee. Um, I had coffee one time. It was just cream and hot water. Um, I had run out of coffee, but let's have coffee. And maybe I missed something there, but uh, yeah, just very hospitable, um, smiling faces. They are very social, and so they love parties, birthdays, graduations, anything to get together, and it usually involves food. And, um, yeah, lots of, lots of eating, and it's spontaneous often. Where almost every week, someone will pop in by the door. There's food over at so-and-so's house. They want you to come. <laughs> and away we go and eat the food. Um, but behind the smiles, there are so much brokenness, and as we've gotten to know people at first, it seems so friendly and kind and warm, and as you get to know people, you see the pain, and it's the same everywhere you go, right? Um, but that's been our experience, and these, we don't have time for the stories that each of these pictures represent, but um, relational brokenness, physical brokenness, um, big things, alcoholism, and um, that's a big challenge. And we've learned to f- hate funerals, um, just to see Satan um, taking lives of people, and, and many times it could have been prevented. Um, the biggest challenge that we face is that there is a cult in our village, and in one of the other villages, the same cult exists there. Um, it's called the Spiritista, and they are... They would say that they were pagan before and now they're Christian, but they basically the interpretation of their name, a spiritista, is spiritist. And so they would say that they are following the Holy Spirit, but um, they have a medium who they sing songs until she is possessed by a spirit, and then she gives the revelation to them. They would give a nod to the Bible. They would use the Bible, but when you ask them about salvation... It's not even really too relevant to them. They're more interested in healing and blessing. And um, as we look at what they're doing, um, we don't see the power of healing. They, they think they're getting healed, but we're seeing instead Satan destroying lives. And um, just, you know, they're, they have been confused. And they, um, talking to my language helper about salvation, he's, I asked him, are you, are you going to heaven when you die? Do you know that? And he said, oh, no, I, you have to be 75% good um, to get to heaven, and I'm not there yet. And like, you know that verse, right? You, well, that's a passing grade at school. So somehow they've just adopted that in, and no one can measure up to that, of course, and even, or maybe they think they can. And um, it's just... Asking him, so what about Jesus? Well, yeah, they sing songs about Jesus, but um, nothing, he didn't come up in the conversation about salvation. So why did Jesus die for us? So this, this uh, cult that is, exists in our village, almost everybody goes, and this has been a real challenge for us to treat truth into that situation, to the glorious hope of the gospel into that. Um, here's a picture of them. They're trying to heal this girl, and she passed away. Um, so, yeah, we really wanted to get them, give them the gospel, but how do you do that? In our broken, broken language, we need to be able to speak fluidly to them and clearly and give them that message. And so that was a big focus of ours for a, the, the first, actually it took almost three years to learn the local dialect, and... Um, it's a real challenge. It's a hard language, and uh, um, 
yeah, so it's challenging. And then there's a mix of languages going on. There's almost everybody is, is trilingual, and so everybody's got their own mix of languages. And so at first, I, was, I could sit down with my language helper for all morning, and we could just chat away, and I, I, we totally understood each other. And I go and talk to other people, and I kept struggling. I realized everybody's got their own mix of language. So our consultants told, us, told me to, I need to branch out, and so I had a different guy each day of the week, and that really helped um, to get a better perspective on the language. And so glorious, oh glorious day that happened in, uh, at the end of 2018, um, the consultants came in and said, okay, you've, you've reached a level where you can start working on Bible lessons. And this uh, is where Chuck and Shannon Talbot come in. Um, so Chuck and Shannon were ahead of us, as you know. And so they had been working ahead, and Chuck has finished language ahead of me. And he spent a long time writing some Bible lessons. And our mission, you're probably familiar with it, teaches chronologically from creation to Christ to bring the gospel so that there's no confusion about why we need a gospel or why we need the Savior. So Chuck and Shannon Talbot had been there before us, and Chuck wrote um, 40-some Bible lessons. And then because of the situation with some of their older children, they knew there was going to be a time where they had to come back to Canada. And that's about when it happened, right after I finished my language study. So the Talbots headed back here to Canada, to Wasaga Beach, and Chuck handed me his his Bible lessons that he had written. And um, I don't know if you've ever had to preach someone else's sermon notes. Um, that's, it's hard to do that. So I, I spent some time making that my own. And uh, we, we had thought that another couple was going to join us. Well, they did. Um, Danny and Philippa Brooks. Uh, he's from California. She's from Ireland, Northern Ireland. And they were with us for about eight months. And they were supposed to be the replacement for the Talbots. And then um, eight months into their time with us, Danny discovered a uh, tumor on his leg. And they had to come back to the U.S. and get treatment for that. And they were here for about three years. Um, thank the Lord, Danny's completely recovered. They're back in the Philippines. But they did not come back to join us. And they are, he's into a leadership role there. We had, because we had new co-workers, Poulter and Claudi Pulak. Poulter is Filipino and uh, from a different part of the Philippines, and Claudi's German. And so it's a neat dynamic to have them on our team. They just had their first baby. And um, yeah, so they joined us in time for the teaching. And that was an, a, a unique opportunity um, to have a Filipino on our team. And so having a Filipino there... He understands a lot of the cultural things much quicker than we do. We're kind of, you know, dumb when it comes to understanding subtleties, and he gets it much quicker than we do. Um, so it's neat to have them with us. Uh, so, yeah, here's Chuck and I sitting down to work on lessons, and Chuck handed them off to me, and I spent some time tweaking those and working with some of the recommendations for those lessons in order to get to a point where we could teach. So... 2020, January 2020, we prepared a place under the Talbot's house to do the teaching and got ready for that. We had multimedia presentation with PowerPoint and pictures and, and some videos and um, got that all ready. And then we went and introduced or invited everyone to come. And uh, we were anticipating what would happen. We know the gospel needs to be given what would happen? And the first night, we had almost every home was represented that first night. It was, um, I remember actually being a little discouraged because there were some families <laughs> that hadn't, uh, hadn't, weren't represented there. And little did I know that that was actually not going to be indicative of what was going to continue um, as quickly after the few, first couple of sessions. Um, a lot of people had just come out of obligation or curiosity at first. But because they're so busy, they're, I mean, they're working hard, and we are doing teaching three nights a week. And they're also very religious. They're going to church three times a week, and then to come and, 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 come and listen to me, uh, people quickly stopped coming. 
And it was very discouraging. We had about eight. We called them the faithful eight that would come all the time. And then there was always a few other people who would come. And a whole lot of kids. And so it started to feel a little bit more like children's ministry. But, um, and maybe that kept some of the adults away a little bit as well. But, um, yeah, we were quite discouraged because, you know, we, we saw the need we, and we had the answer, right? We had that treasure to share and we, we need to hear it, you know, all laid out for them to understand what. And they spoke by, or they, they didn't come. And so we were discouraged. And then, you know, we realized, okay, the Lord is going to build this church, right? It's not based on all of this. Uh, ideas and plans that, you know, we got all these boxes we want to check off and do it in all these orders, and, and then we're going to get it done. No, the Lord's going to do this. And we looked around and said, this is who he's given us. And we got all these kids. I mean, they had so much excitement. They were coming up and asking, you know, is tonight the night? And like, no, no, you got to wait till tomorrow. And, um, you know, the, yeah, that's very encouraging. And these few faithful ones that would come. And so he said, well, if this is what the Lord's going to do, and this is how he's going to do it, we're just going to pour our energies into them. And so we had memory verses and prizes and quizzes and anything to engage them and um, illustrations. Here, here I am wearing a dirty shirt that represents, so we use this throughout the teaching of sin. We started off the clean shirt and kept throwing more and more sin on that thing until it was stinking. And uh, then when we got to Jesus, we, we took the clean shirt of representing Christ and took that dirty shirt off and put it on Christ and took the clean shirt off and put it on us to represent what Christ had done. So we were teaching along three nights a week um, until that fateful day of March 2020. And I don't even have to tell you what happened in March 2020. Everybody knows that date. And we were halfway through. We had gotten people good and lost. And we were headed out to Manila for a, a conference. And we were going to just be gone for about 10 days and then come back in and keep going. And we got out to, to Gigarao, our flight base. And the country shut down and the world shut down. And we weren't allowed to travel anymore. So we were stuck there for four months. And I don't know what story the pandemic has played. I mean, it's affected us all in different ways. But one little neat thing I'll share is that we were at the end of a four-year term. We were planning to leave and come back to Canada in May. And it had been, we had done all our language study and uh, Bible lesson preparation and teaching. We started the teaching and we were trying to get it all done and then go home for our, our break. And we were just really burnt out. But we're in the middle of this huge, important task. And um, we're just, you know, trying to fight and hold on and get it done. And the Lord said, okay, you're going to rest for four months. And we just, we were stuck there. We, um, our kids, we didn't have coworkers at that, I guess, no kids on, the, on our team. And our, we were stuck in this little guest house with two units there and another family with four kids and our five. And they had a wonderful time of fellowship and just, it was a real blessing to our family. And, you know, eventually things opened up. We were able to go back in. But uh, that was just the way that the Lord kind of blessed us through that pause. And as, as terrible it all was in many ways, um, that was a blessing for us. Another neat thing I'll share, we got back into the village finally in July. We were able to carry on the teaching. And we got back in there and all the schools had shut down. They were shut down for quite a long time in the Philippines, and they sent everybody back home, um, all the kids that were, so after grade six, they leave and go off to high school um, and college, all those kids got sent back home to their villages, we get back in the village, and they're all there, and they're, they have nothing to do, they're used to busy social life in town, and, but there's every, three nights a week, there's something going on at the missionary's place, and they came, and they wanted to hear and we were able to give them the, the best part of the story, right? And it was really neat to see how the Lord brought them back. Because often they, they'll never come back um, if they do well anyway. And so we got to the end of the teaching in September. And we ended off with a Jesus film. And this is a picture of people sitting in the dark, if you're wondering what that is. 
uh, watching, watching the Jesus film. And we had a lot of people came out for that final thing. And so what's the end of the story? Um, we got to the end and we asked people questions, you know, how do you, if they were understanding, and we got to the end and people were giving still confused answers. And there's, the long and the short of it is, because of all the other things that influences in their lives, this, especially this cult and what they're hearing all the rest of the time, people are still confused about the gospel. And so as much as we would like to um, report, you know, the, the, you know, how many people are saved and baptized and all of that, what we realize is the Lord's taking people along. They're, they're, they're advancing in their understanding, but there's still lots more to be heard. We take encouragement from, I don't know how many testimonies I've heard since we came back to Canada of people who had to hear the gospel over and over again before they finally believed, right? And that we, we would love to have just seen an immediate response, but the Lord has not chosen to do that, and we know that we need to continue to be faithful to present that and clarify things for them. And uh, we also know that it's a spiritual battle, and that's really what I'm asking here this morning of you is um, to pray. Um, we need to see, we need the Lord to work and open people's hearts and um, to see the glorious light of the gospel and to see the difference that that can make in their lives. And so we have prayer cards back there with our family's picture on there. And we'd love for you to not just pray for our family, but to pray for the, the Gatdang people, that their hearts would be open to the gospel. And we know, um, you know, talking about this medium and, and the, the church that they have there, this cult that we're up against, we know that Satan is having a heyday there, right? He's, he's, he's got them good and confused. And we, um, it's a spiritual battle, and through prayer, that will change, and people will come to him. Um, our coworkers continued on um, teaching after we left. There's a couple more pictures of that. And um, then this calendar year, they, nobody's been in the village. They, ha they went out to have a baby and then went to Germany. And uh, talking to them, they're still not sure of anyone that has really uh, uh, put their faith in Christ alone for salvation. But um, we're looking forward to that happening soon. Um, Lord willing, we'll be going back in January and continuing on the teaching. Uh, we'd like to teach also in the other two villages on either side of Paradi and, um, and seeing what the Lord does with that. Uh, we've also printed out our lessons that we taught. and you, that, There's a copy of that book on the back. It's a, quite a thick book. I had extra time here in Canada. We got stuck here as well. So um, I decided, what can I do? I can write these lessons out. And so there's hardly anything in their language that's actually written. So we made 50 copies. We're going to distribute those in their homes. And we're praying that someone will pick. It's basically a Bible study. Um, read these verses. Here's an explanation to take them through those. So even if they can't or don't come, it's in their home. And the neat thing about written literature is you, never, you can't control where it goes. And uh, it can end up anywhere, right, in other villages as well. So we're looking to see what the Lord does through that. Um, I have no timepiece in front of me, and I have no idea what time it is, but thank you very much for your patience and listening. <laughs> okay. Grab that. Good for Rob. Um, just going to switch it up, and we'll do our closing now and then sing to close, if that's okay, Calvin. Um, but uh, just with what uh, I've been thinking about closing and and, uh, um, and then just with what Dennis shared there. And uh, this, is, this is from Colossians, but um, we'll be looking at this in a couple weeks. But um, Colossians 4, 2, 3, 4. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. But then listen to this. At the same time, pray also for us. And this is Paul and, and the, his companions in, in prison, right? Pray also for us, or we can say today I'd like us to pray for the Eastons and for the work there. Pray also for them that God may open a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ 
and just that confusion that you talked about, you know, that to them it's a mystery, and that God might open a door to declare the mystery of Christ, um, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak, and just for God's word to go forth in clarity, and, uh, and so I'd like to do that right now. I, um, if, if we could have, I'll just say anybody's welcome, but if there's a couple prayer team, missions team, elders um, that want to come up, and we can just pray. I don't know, if Valerie, if you want to come up too, or if you want to stay back there, it's up to you. Um, and uh, we'll just, uh, and then the rest of you can just uh, pray, um, pray along with us. Um, we just like to pray for Dennis and Valerie and the kids and the work there. Just uh, the spiritual darkness. Um, you know, we, it's hard for us to, I think, relate to that sometimes. But uh, I have a little bit of experience from the mission field and, and uh, just the power that the devil can have on a community and keep them captive. And unless the Holy Spirit breaks through, um, it, uh, there's, there's not, well, you said it, you know, there's, <laughs> there's nothing going to be able to be done until God breaks through. And so um, anybody have it on their heart to pray? I just... Yeah, thanks, Ernest. Lord, we bless you for the work that's begun there amongst the Got Dung. Thank you for their interest and uh, the way the children have been coming out, and now uh, more than just the young children, the older ones as well, the, their lives have been touched. Lord, thank you for the, the translation work that's been done and the Bible lessons and the seed that's been sown there. Thank you for the literature that's been produced and as Dennis said, we never know where that's going to end up and the way it gets passed along. But Lord, we pray for them in their darkness that you would shine your light in their lives and just uh, uh, dispel, Lord, the, the lies of the enemy, uh, the spiritism that is there, Lord, to help it to diminish and to be uh, uh, dispersed. And uh, may Jesus, may you be exalted. May they, may they see how beautiful you are, how good you are, how loving you are, it's the price you paid to draw them to yourself, Lord. Just uh, reward the work that has been done uh, by the, the Eastons and the Talbots and others, Lord, and just uh, bring a fruitful harvest, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.